Are we good? Are you guys good today? I feel like we've already had church. You know that God's speaking when worship team starts singing your message. My, my message is called The Weapon Found in the Oil of Joy. The Weapon Found in the Oil of Joy. So God, right now, I just ask that your joy, not our idea of happiness, but your joy would fall in this place. That you would baptize us fresh with joy. <laughs> And you'd strengthen us. You'd encourage us. You'd lift up our heads. I, I don't mind how it looks. You might, you might laugh when joy's hitting you. You might just have this quiet contentness that hits you. It doesn't, that doesn't really bother me. My, my whole goal is that the joy of the Lord gets you. And sometimes in church we feel like we have to do what the other person's doing because we somehow got the memo that we were lemmings. <laughs> if you get wrecked right now, that's awesome. But if you get wrecked on the inside, if you're like, I'm smiling on the inside. Listen, that's good. Why not? That's good. But I want to talk a little about the weapon that is found in the oil of joy. Because, all, because the oil of joy is like one of those underrated little attributes of God's goodness that sometimes we brush off to the side. But it is so powerful if you really truly start to understand who it is and what it is and how it works in us. Um, probably about six months ago, I talked a little bit about the difference between um, the oil of joy is not a circumstantial thing. 99% of the world pursues commodities and things and assets and, you know, consumable things. I mean, you only need to go into someone's Instagram account to see what they believe happiness looks like. True. Because they let you know really well. (laughs) But the oil of joy, you can't put a picture up of that. Because it's a quiet contentedness that God's goodness is so radical towards you that you're stable no matter what that looks like. So happiness is the stimulation of external things and joy is an abundant, and I'm talking about the joy of the Lord, is an abundant, internal, overwhelming goodness that has got nothing to do with external realities. There's a difference. So the world is constantly looking for, that's why Jesus said, he he said, don't, Don't try and heap up treasure where rust and moth can decay. You get what I'm saying? Because that's where everyone else puts their treasure, a.k.a. their happiness. Oh, if I could just get that debt paid off, I'd be happy. If I could just get married, I'd be happy. If I could just get that one job, if I could have that new Tesla, I'd be happy. See, I'm, I'm not technically a Tesla guy, but I had a dream that I had the... I had the SUV Tesla last night. And I was like, well, thank you, Jesus, prophesy. Get it? <laughs> so, I don't know why I had that dream. Anyways, in New Zealand, they had a really bad storm that came out of nowhere last week. 
so bad that there's sections of the city that have been out with power, without power for four or five days. And someone was, because I've obviously got a lot of friends from down there, and someone was online uh, messing with everyone with the Teslas and the uh, electric cars, said, I didn't see you driving around. Uh. So even a nice car in certain circumstances can't, can't work. So I want to talk a little bit about this stuff because the world spends its life trying to get things that never satisfy, and they call that happiness. Let me, give you a, let me give you a little example. Have you ever been to a movie that you were waiting on for 6 to 12 months and the previews were hyped out of the park and you're like, man, this is going to be the best thing ever. My life's going to be dynamically impacted by this new, Marvel, this new Marvel movie, which I'm pretty excited about for Infinite War. But anyways, so you get all hyped up on this new movie that's coming out and then you go into the movie and the movie is completely different than the previews that had sold you a story. Hello. Yeah. And that kind of looks like happiness. You start to place an expectation on an object or a thing or a possession or a relationship, whatever that looks like, or a financial accomplishment or buying a house, whatever that looks like. And then you get there and the reality is different. You are placing your quote unquote happiness in an idea rather than real estate in your heart. And so the joy of the Lord actually is fulfilled like real estate inside your heart. Okay, so if you want to come with me, please, to Psalms 23, I want to give you an idea of what this looks like. Because you see, a person that's actually walking in the joy of the Lord doesn't need to be a person that everything has, that, sorry, that has everything perfect on the outside. Sometimes you could be having the worst challenges in the world, but there is this quiet assuredness in you that you got, that God's got you. And because of that, You've got this inner happiness where it's like, well, I might not have everything right now. That's fine, because that was only happiness. And happiness is going to fade away. But joy is going to build something. Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. What does that mean, I shall not want? It means, it has two meanings. It means I'm not going to go without something that I need. Practical, like, you know, food for a sheep. But it also means, you know, I'm not going to need, I'm not going to need things that are irrelevant outside the circle of the shepherd. Things that I quote-unquote put a happiness tag on. Okay. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, awesome, which speaks of new life, speaks of rest, it speaks of healing, it speaks of prosperity, it speaks a whole lot of good things. He leads me beside still waters. You know sheep can't drink out of fast-moving water? I don't know if you know that, but their nose is right next to their mouth, so if they stick their mouth in, they can drown. So sheep can only, well, obviously from New Zealand over here, 90 million sheep like I've told you it's messed up but anyways 4 million people so, uh, so, so sheep actually need to go to a place of stillness to, to receive nourishment and refreshing and so sometimes in the middle of the chaos you're looking for happiness and even if you get it you can't have it or it doesn't work in the way you think it's going to okay uh, he rest- now watch this, he restores my soul. Now this is someone that's in relationship with God because here's the thing, life is rough. Even to someone that's quote unquote in the secret place having awesome intimacy with God, life happens and it's not fair. Yeah, you know, I found out some news this week, it's like man, it kind of felt like that news punched me in the gut. And it hurts, but ultimately it's because you're in the world. That's why Paul said, you're in the world, but you're not of it. That doesn't mean that it won't affect you once in a while. That doesn't mean that some bad news isn't going to hit you. That doesn't mean that, you know, something's not going to discourage you. That doesn't mean that, oh yeah, hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. Yep. You ever heard that one before? Yeah. 
It's a classic single person's verse. Hope, hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. I was actually preaching this morning to the Methodist church that was here. It was actually really awesome. And I talked about that scripture for a second. Hope deferred makes the heart grow sick. Do you know why it makes the heart grow sick? I'm going to tell you why. Because you knew I was going to though. <laughs> when we put our hope, look, let's just see my brought up the single thing. Let's just talk about that for a second. Single man looking for a single girl. The hope is in that the fact that we get married. So, so the, the whole energy focal point is on I need to be married to make me happy. When you put your hope in anyone other than Jesus, you will get a sick heart. So getting married is not going to fix you as an additive or an upgrade to your relationship with Jesus. Having an awesome relationship with Jesus where you keep your hope over here. And then this stuff's a bonus. By the way, that actually causes promises to come faster. But when we become fixated and obsessed with certain things, that's why the heart grows sick. Because you cannot be blessed by something other than Jesus that you've made God. Okay, anyways. So, he restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Do you know that God has actually been good to you for his own integrity's sake? Wow. <laughs> Isn't that an awesome thing to start? See, sometimes a simple scripture like this, you just need to stop and actually, hang on a minute, I need to slow down and read this. Not, he restores my soul. Yeah, cool, I read, I read, a, I read a chapter today. What did it do for you? I don't know. I just got through it. Now, sometimes you need to stop and pay attention. No, he is good to you for his own namesake. So if God can't break the integrity of who he is, you are safe, baby. Oh, you are good. You can take that to the bank. You are assured the blessing is coming. Just stop making the blessing your God. Okay. Awesome. Or the breakthrough or the whatever it is, the answer. We just keep Jesus as the focal point and then all these other things shall be added to you. Seek first the breakthrough. No, no. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. And then all these other little things that you really have looked upon in the past as such a big deal. They just come. Okay, this is, that, was, that was all side note for free. That was, the, that was the pickles on the side of the plate. We're going to get over to the hamburger right now. Okay. Watch this. Even if I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, this is classic Christianity right here. 2018, Southern California. We attribute our circumstances to God's goodness. We attribute, oh, I'm going through really hard times. Oh, the breakthrough hasn't come. Oh, that miracle hasn't happened. That thing I've been praying for for 20 years hasn't happened yet. And so we're in the shadow of death mentality. Here's the thing. If you start to gauge God's goodness by the environment you're in, you start to make Jesus an imp Come on. in your mind. Is this okay? You reduce him from being awesome, can do anything, down to this you know, terrible performing McDonald's server. You get what I'm saying? Watch this. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Do you know why I'll fear no evil? Firstly, because I know who my God is. But secondly, my environment does not reflect who I am. 
So in order for your environment to not reflect, and by the way, guys, you need to get this in the valley of the shadow of death. So when you have, when you have the king's temple, or the king's palace, that's, that identity is still not who you are. Hello. Because, you know, it's like, mm -mm, I, ain't, I ain't the shallow valley of death. I'm just passing through. I'm a traveler. And then we get to the other side where we're now worth a few million. And do you see how good I am? You see, there's deception on both sides of this fence. So the thing is, is that we just walk grounded and we stay low. And we have to make Jesus our hope. And from that place, his joy becomes our strength. Okay, so joy is a weapon. Okay, it's not some little cupid fat chubby angel sitting on top of a cloud that wants to trinkle you with like, oh, look, let's give him some essential oil so he's happy. <laughs> Come on, essential oil peeps. It's like, you can just, you know, you can see the terrible animated graphic video. God's on the throne. Oh, my son is not well pleased. Fat chubby angel, go and release the essential oils. Can you see that? It's like, that is not who God is. It's not who God is. Your environment, look, Jesus was born, a manger sounds so nice to us. He was born in a nasty barn. Barn. Is that better? Barn. Very nasal. But anyways, he was born in like, you know, where the animals were taking care of business. Did that diminish the value of the Son of God? He was born three pound, three and a half pound baby Jesus wrapped in swaddling clothes. Do you think that diminished his greatness? He, was, he, he slept for the first time ever in a little bath of straw probably. A little bed of straw. Environment Never ever dictates value, destiny, or who you really are. And the, prob the reason I'm getting to this before I get onto all the good joy stuff is that we need to set the playing field level so that we don't go into things placing value on outcome. You know, it's something we've talked about before. We're such a performance results driven people. It's not just the business owners, it's, it's the whole culture. Well, I did this for a while. That dating site didn't work for me, so I'm moving on to the next one. You know, oh, I dated that person for three weeks, and that didn't work out, so I'll flick them out the door. And so it becomes this thing of like, well, if it doesn't work, I'm going to move on to the next thing, or either that or there's something wrong with me, or there's something wrong with them. We all, the other interesting thing is we always make excuses for why it didn't work. Okay. Or we always, you know, and the other one is, is that sometimes we blame the devil, when actually it's not the devil's fault. It's our fault because we chose to be in that situation. Hello. So David's talking about walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Okay. I'm not going to fear any evil because you're with me and you're rotting your staff. They comfort me. Now watch this. Now he, now he paints a different picture. Verse 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. Now let me just paint a picture of what this looks like. I'm going to get a little graphic right now. A little, little animated. A little Lord of the Rings. Okay, so if you could imagine a ferocious scene of battle just happening, swords and shields and spears flying and arrows flying through the sky, and then there's David sitting down with his four-piece KFC pack in the middle of the battle, and he's just getting down with potato and gravy. Do you get what I'm saying? 
Oh, yeah, I'm going to have a little bit of that coleslaw too. Oh, give me one of them biscuits. Do you ever say, oh, I'm going to drink some Mountain Dew now and get all hyped up? So it, God has this, he's painting a picture of how God does things. So he's saying, in the midst of all my enemies that want to destroy me, in the midst of a raging battle, you cause me to sit down disconnected from that reality and come into another one, a place of peace. You get what I'm saying? It's not about your environment. That's why Jesus walked on water. It's got everything to do with who you are. Okay. So he's going on to say that you anoint my head with oil, uh, surely good, uh, my cup runneth over, which means I've always got abundance. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwelling place church in the house of the Lord forever. Okay, did you see that? <laughs> okay. Now come with me, please, to the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah. He was a short dude. I know I'm goofy today, but might as well. <laughs> Dan appreciates it. <laughs> okay, so Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse 10. And Nehemiah continued, go celebrate with a feast of rich foods and sweet drinks. KFC and Mountain Dew. And share gifts of food with people who have, who have nothing prepared. Watch this. This is a sacred day before our God. Do not be dejected and sad. For what? The joy of the Lord is our strength. So now we're starting to see the joy of the Lord being a slightly different application than a little fat angel with some essential oils dropping it on your head. The joy of the Lord, can I say this? There's a lot of things in God that you have to decide to do. And that's why I started off talking about circumstances because circumstances will try and tell you that you're not qualified, that you're not in line, that you, uh, you, know, you don't deserve it or you've been robbed or ripped off, or, you know, or because of the hardship that's happening in your life, then there's no way that God could be with you the way that you've told everybody. So that's why I started off with the circumstantial thing. So decision is, in the midst of me feeling, now if you notice that word of feeling, I, I, I've got a bit of a pet peeve against the word feeling, because feelings will betray you almost every single time. Spiritual discernment, that's a different animal. But feelings where it's like, oh, I feel really oppressed right now. What are you going to do about it? Because the enemy, when he comes in, he's coming to steal your confidence and your strength. Because if he can steal your confidence and your strength, he can start to undermine your will. And if he can undermine your will, he can start to get you to yield the place that God's called you to stand. Does this make sense? So there's certain things that actually we have to decide to stand in. And one of them is joy. Joy is not whether I have a million dollars and a nice car and a nice house or, you know, a broken pair of flip-flops and nothing for lunch. Do you get what I'm saying? Joy has got, that's happiness. Happiness is great. Don't get me wrong. In the right application, happiness is great. But joy is the better option. Because I could, be, I could be, you know, living a really nice life or I could be living a really difficult life and it's actually got nothing to do with what's inside of me. Joy will cause you to triumph over the enemy when the enemy's lying to you. So, because some of you, some of you get afflicted with really dark clouds. Hello. And there might not even be a reason about it. 
sometimes it's not even your quote-unquote physical circumstances, it's your spiritual atmosphere, well, not yours, but it's the spiritual atmosphere that's trying to cloud around you. Oh, I just woke up today and I just, I just was in a bad mood for no reason. I've just been feeling like really dark all week and like I just feel really depressed. Right? Hello? And, and so what we do is we just, without really realizing what's happened because we haven't been trained in that area yet, we just kind of almost submit to it and we just kind of deal with it. But in the dealing with it, we, we start accepting it. And we allow it to press and push uh, like, like, like Play-Doh and squish who we're supposed to look like. Does this make sense? So joy is the ultimate internal counter to all of that stuff. Oh, you want to mess with me, devil? That means that God is really just likes me. So I can be happy now. See, it's a decision to be joyful rather than to be miserable. I've said this before. There is no, wherever you see a miserable Christian, you're going to see a powerless Christian. There is, there is no power and there's nothing attractive mm-hmm. about anyone miserable. Totally. Okay, even if things are not going right. You know, I don't know about you, but there's certain people in my life where every time I call them, they pick up the phone and I just brace myself for the barrage of negativity. <laughs> you know, it's like you, you got that one friend. I'm just trying to make sure you haven't drowned this last week, you know, out in the ocean of your life. But I'm just being real. You, like, you know, it's, it's a real deal thing. And it's not that their life's terrible. It's just that they've chosen to be miserable. And I believe that misery is a choice. It's a choice. Because you can actually say, like, you know, David, you can read through the Psalms. He had all this terrible stuff happening to him. He should have actually been celebrated by Saul. He saved Saul on the battlefield because on that particular battle when Goliath was, was challenging, do you know the first thing that's, that, that Goliath would have done after he killed the challenger? He would have come straight for Saul and cut his head off and put his head on a pike. That's how they did it back then. Basically what would happen is they would get the king, the defeated king would be, would be slaughtered in front of all the people and they would they would parade the body through the streets. And that was basically, we're going to crush you at the very head of your kingdom. So that's what happened. David saved that from happening. But that didn't, that didn't work out like that. David started doing so well that Saul started getting a little offended and massively insecure. And so he started hunting the very guy that saved his life and really his kingdom. And it became a 14, I don't know if you know this, but it was a 14-year manhunt, aggressive manhunt. 14 years living in a cave. Now, you know, when David talks about walking through the valley of the shadow of death or going through rough times, hey, the fact that your friend didn't like your Instagram post doesn't qualify for this. <laughs> Can I say it, Brenda? <laughs> I'm going to go there and say it. So sometimes we have reasons that we've trained ourselves to be miserable that are actually really pathetic. Okay? And we need to just actually discipline our emotions and say, you know, you know, like, David, you heard so many times, you know, oh, Lord, my soul is downcast. So what he was saying was, hey, God, my feelings suck right now. I feel messed up. I feel depressed and discouraged. Can I bring it into some modern language a little bit? I'm having a really crap week. 
Nevertheless, I am going to decide to put my trust and my focus in you. And because of that, your goodness is going to overtake me and I'm going to shift. You see, the problem isn't having feelings. Look, honestly, it's okay to be a little sad when things don't go well. God didn't make you, you know, to be some kind of sterile being that doesn't, isn't connected with your emotions. That's not what I'm talking about. And I'm not trying to be some macho thing where it's like, you shouldn't even be talking. No, look, get it out your mouth, but make sure when it comes out your mouth, you're talking to God and not someone who's going to agree with your misery. And when it comes out of your mouth, you have to be so careful the way it comes out of your mouth that you're not actually empowering it. You're saying, I feel like this, but God's going to do something awesome. You always need to make sure that what comes out of your mouth is overriding because we've been made, made like God, right? God made all of the planets and the stars and the universe, the trees and the fishes, all with his mouth. And you've been made like that. So, you know, the enemy understands that if he can try and build a scenario environment around you long enough, an illusion, a mirage. You ever seen those movies where some dude's like walking through the desert and he's like, his, you know, his bottle's empty and then he sees this like beautiful oasis and he's like, whoa, dude. And he starts walking towards the oasis and he gets there and it's not a real thing. The devil understands that if he can build a mirage around you long enough of negativity, that you might just agree with something that's not real. You see, this is why the joy in your heart must be established. Because it doesn't matter what the enemy does around us. It matters what happens inside of us. And only you. God's got as much goodness as you want. He's got as much goodness as you want. It's just how much you're willing to say yes. Is this helping somebody today? Yeah, happy Christian, happy son of God, a happy daughter of God is a powerful son or daughter of God. You know, just imagine this for a second. Could you imagine Jesus standing up on the mount? Blessed are the, blessed are the righteous. Blessed are those that thirst and hunger for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Could you imagine that? Jesus, like borderline mass depressant happening. Someone hands him like, you know, an early day Prozac. Hey, Jesus, great message, but I need to give you a little pick-me-up. <laughs> Can you imagine can you imagine that kind of crazy? Well, I, just, I like to use extreme stories. If you're new here, I, you know, I'm not, I might be mildly a little crazy, but, you know, I, I like to use extreme stories that actually cause us to get the picture and remember it. And sometimes we need to not, rather than us looking at ourselves and trying to find it, we can actually see it in more of an extreme story. But the reality is, is that no one's ever going to want Jesus if they just have to listen to your misery all day. Because they're going to look at you and they're going to say, if this is Jesus... Dang, I'm going to go check out Muhammad. I'm going to go check out Buddha. He ain't got no diet plan. I'm serious. Some people, man, they like the, the devil's like, you just stay right like that. You're going to send more people to me than you ever could imagine. True. That's the truth. Anyways. I love it when I get like this. Just mess with people. You said Jesus got given a Prozac. No, I didn't. I was just telling a silly story. And you laughed. I wasn't even laughing. You're the one laughing. You decided to be joyful about it. Okay. Okay, let's have a look here. Okay, um, uh, scripture I read out of last week, Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah 61 verse 3. 
Joy is power. Joy is not, this is, see, sometimes we'll go to Ephesians and we'll like read, you know, the sword of the Lord. And then the shield of faith. You know what I mean? And like we get all hyped up on that stuff. And then we talk about the oil of joy and we think that's the little daisy in the side of someone's ear. It's true. We kind of put this like random wee thing on it. This is how I look at it. I look at the oil of joy being the fuel in the Lamborghini's tank. Because you can have the most beautiful car and show me how great of a son or daughter of God you are with your little show. But if you ain't got no fuel, you ain't got no power. And if you ain't got no power, you've just got a little model rather than a functioning vehicle. Does this make sense? Okay, where were we? Isaiah 61. So the, the reason that we were talking about, you know, this is prophesying Jesus, to console, he was coming to console those who mourn. Let me ask you a question. How can you console someone mourning when you're mourning yourself? That's like a drowning person trying to save a drowning person. It's messed up. Okay, so to console those that mourn, to give them beauty for ashes. How can you make someone else feel beautiful if you feel ugly? Can I tell you, every person in this room is beautiful. I'm serious. You say, I'm beautiful. Come on, we need to do this now. I felt the resistance in the room. Some of you, some of you, some of you are beautiful. Some of you are very beautiful. Jesus' name. Touch. The very beautiful was for the ladies. I don't want to go too far with the men. <laughs> Touch. Okay. So to get them, now watch this. The oil of joy for mourning. The oil of joy for mourning. Now, what does that mean? If you have areas in your life that are, that are legitimately discouraged and you're depressed and you're feeling like sorrow and grief, that is what the oil of joy is for. Jesus didn't come to seek and save the pretty beautiful people. He came to seek and save the messed up and broken who were honest about it. I'm messed up, Jesus. I need your goodness. You see, oh, I feel like a wretched thing of this, that, and the other. I just did that one thing again, that, that one sin that I promised you I was never going to do again. Can I get a witness? Right. And, and, and because of that, I just feel so rejected and messed up and miserable. I need you to come and just wash me with your oil. And all of a sudden, what felt weak, you start to feel like the tank's filling up. And you start to feel confidence coming back and strength. You see, the thing is, is the oil of joy is something where you can feel like everything in your life is totally broken, falling apart. You might feel like Jeff was, was talking about during worship, which was so good. You can feel like you just fell to, you know, you got taken to the bottom. Or you, you got, you know, totally humbled. Or everything fell out from underneath you and you just felt like really abased. I was doing so good. I was on the mountaintops and now I'm in the valley. Yeah. In that place, that's where the enemy's going to come and try and tell you this, that, and the other. He's going to try and mess with you but it's about what's inside of you. And how do you get the oil of joy? You just spend time with Jesus. Some of you are like, well, what do you, it's really good, this, this message, but what it, how does it work? Well, it's not down at the essential oil shop. It's in your bedroom with Jesus. See, the thing is, is that there's no one that can come into my life and sit down and have a negotiation session with me and tell me that my name's not Andrew. That's going to be rough for somebody. Do you get what I'm saying? Because I am Andrew Billings. It's pretty clear to me. And that's not going anywhere. So here's the thing. I am ingrained with that fact. That is a non-negotiable fact. 
get like that with God's joy. So that when the enemy comes in to tell you you're a loser, you're disqualified, you, you're, you're not going to make it, that, that one thing that you did is going to cause you to be disqualified, that God's now, quote unquote, unhappy with you. Well, guess what? There's something inside of me called joy that's causing me to have a response. Amen. Well, come on now, Jesus. Okay. Watch this, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Put on the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. So you feeling heavy? God's got a garment for you. You get heaviness off by praising and worshiping Jesus, and in the process, he just takes out this little, this little vial of oil, and he just dumps it on you. I can't explain it. That's how it works. Oil of joy. Have any of you been... Hey, can I, can I tell you like an extreme case of oil of joy? I think I might have said this to you before. When I was in New Zealand, I was single. I got wrecked by God one day. And when I say wrecked by God, I laughed for three days. <laughs> I couldn't stop. It wasn't just the fact that... It, like Some people are like, oh, why do you laugh in church? Why, do you, why would you want to just be miserable in church? Do you really think that God has like, you know, tragic issues on the throne? My Bible doesn't say God sits on the throne and cries. It says God sits on the throne and laughs. Hello. As on earth as it is in heaven. Well, I might as well start here. <laughs> Do you get what I'm saying? I don't mind if you get hit so much, Jonathan, that you just laugh for three days. You have permission to be free with that. No, I la- oh, this, is, this is the honest truth. I laughed for three days, and it wasn't just, <laughs> it was a deep laugh from down here that was just so epic. <laughs> and I just couldn't stop. I mean, literally, to give you an idea of what this looked like, I laughed falling asleep, and I woke up laughing. So who knows what happened while I was asleep? Only God knows, but I was laughing for three days straight. Now, that messes with your cheekbones. <laughs> Okay, you can't fake that because when it starts to hurt, you can't stop. Oh, they just put on such a show when they do that laughing thing. Well, do they? I don't know. Maybe it's never happened to you, so that's your explanation for why you don't think the joy of the Lord's real. Hello. And it doesn't always have to look like laughing uncontrollably. Sometimes, like I said, it's a quiet assurance where you have this eager enthusiasm for what's about to un- out- play out, even though you're in the midst of what feels like the darkest moment of your life. The joy of the Lord gives you hope to believe God. Hope births faith, and faith pulls on the fabric of God's goodness to bring all the promises into your life. So it all starts with joy. You have to believe that God's good. You can't believe that God's good and not have joy. Hello. It's not about the giggle. The giggle is just the fruit on the tree. I'm interested in the tree. Do you get what I'm saying? It's about what happens here that no one can see. So if you're like, well, I don't really laugh, but I do feel full of joy. Awesome. You got it. Okay. Cool. Because like I said, we can play lemmings where we start to like, well, I'm not really doing what they're doing. And you know, my, my idea of joy is different. Cool. God didn't make you look like me. Do you really believe God wants clones? 
He wants you to have your own personal relationship with him. It's awesome. It's beautiful. Okay, so it's helping somebody today. Joy is a weapon because when the enemy comes in, he's looking to steal your confidence. That's why he came into the garden to Eve and he's like, has God really said that he's going to be good to you or is he trying to trick you? That's what he was ultimately saying. He's like, oh, you, you know, you're a loser and God's like tricked you and he's laughing about it and you're just sitting here like a dummy. You see, doubting God's goodness. But the joy of the Lord causes actually this quiet confidence to be there where it's like, even if you can't feel like the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God, you have an answer for the enemy. And it causes you to be grounded and stable and secure even when the miracle's not in your hand yet, you're not going to take a quick, cheap, you know, easy way out. Okay. I think so. So the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, and they shall be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of God, that he may be glorified. So, oh, by the way, I really feel like God's going to heal people today too. I don't know if there's people here with sickness issues or healing needs, but we're just going to get some miracles today. You know, I, you know I, I personally believe that joy is one of the best realms for miracles. Because joy is an expression of joy. And in that environment, miracles are ripe. And really, joy is agreeing with heaven. That's really what it is. That's why Job said, you know, Job... Look, look, Classic example of joy in the most messed up scenario. A house falls and kills all his children having a meal. That's messed up. He loses all of his cattle, his livestock. He basically loses everything. His whole body gets completely messed up. He's got boils and he's, I mean, his friends are like, dude, you should just curse God and die. This has gone pretty far, dude. You just need to tap out. You know what he said? He said, even if God kills me, I'm not going to curse him. Now that is someone to follow see it's not about your circumstance it's about something in here being grounded in God's goodness you can trust that you see and it's not the day where you're just like you know God's touching me and I had an angel appear in my bedroom and it's awesome and God came and touched me on the head and he told me this in a dream whatever your story is that's not the day the enemy comes to mess with you He comes when you've been fasting for 40 days and he's like, hey, you see that rock over there? You should turn that into a loaf of bread, Jesus. Isn't, it, isn't this getting hard? You see, and he appeals to your feelings. But the only reason that your feelings can be appealed to is if joy hasn't filled up that space. Because if joy hasn't filled up that space, you're needy and rejected, needing affirmation. And affirmation in a rejected person always looks like a crutch. Hello. The joy of the Lord is my strength. You know why? Because when I don't touch, see, God agreed with that. God thought that he was like, little strobe light effect from Jesus. Thanks, Lord. (laughs) I like that. I like that. What was I saying? Joy of the Lord, Jesus in the desert. Yeah, it's the day that you don't feel it. Yeah, so, you know, Jesus is up in the desert and he's, he's like totally needs to eat. And the devil's like, hey, just turn the, turn the rock into bread. You know, and like I was going on to say about, you know, hey, look, 
It's, it's not so much in what you have in here. Sorry, it's not so much in what you have out here. It's what you have in, in your heart that causes you to be stable. You don't need those crutches of things that like, you know, oh, look, this is the easy way out. Here's one of the classic ways that people survive. They get people to feel sorry for them in their bad situation. And it becomes a feeding system. I just need you to feel bad for me because when you feel bad for me, I'm validated to stay like this. That's crazy. Who would want to stay in the valley of the shadow of death? Not me. I'm moving through. All right? So um, with that, I think I'm basically out of time. I'm going to finish on time tonight. This is a miracle today. Lord, help me. Oh, we're still praying for healing. That's right. True. I'm not going to finish on time. I take it back. But don't remember, it's not about your circumstances. <laughs> okay, Psalms 28, verse 7, my last scripture. The Lord is my strength and my shield. I trust him with all my heart. See, when you get to this place, when you decide to trust God with all your heart, you know what happens? You start to feel this overwhelming joy hit you. If you've ever done it before, whenever, and it's like, look, Theory is very different than practical. Yeah. Sit in church and like, that was, that was a really good point. I like that. I'm going to put that on my Instagram. And even credit my own name. That's awesome. But then the next day or the next week, sorry, we've had that happen. It's hilarious. I actually find it personally very entertaining. But <laughs> it's awesome. So when that stuff happens... You can completely get taken off track because in the middle of the next week, the next month, when something does hit you, your theory didn't make it past your brain. Does this make sense? It has to be something you own down here where it's actually established. Where it's like, no matter, like, there's things that have hit me and Bex that are like tidal waves to our lives over the last several years. Things that are just, We've watched smash other people. And it's not that we're great people. We're not. We're not super strong people. It's just that we're decided people. We decided that we were going to stick it out with Jesus through good times. When I married her, I stood in front of the preacher. Actually, Lyndon Lyndon married us. It was awesome. And I said, for better or worse, in sickness and in health. You know what that means? That means I can't tap out. That means this is for life. You get what I'm saying? And so the same thing is, it's with G- Jesus wants that same level of commitment for us. He doesn't just want us to be all full of good when the, when the goosebumps, when the worship team's doing such a great job and the goosebumps are like, I'll do anything for you, Jesus. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then Monday hits. I feel so terrible. <laughs> Woe is me, I am undone. You know what I mean? We get all Shakespearean with God. It's blowing. Where art thou in my moment of great distresseth? You know what I'm saying? It's real. It's real? I cannot fail you. Have you abandoned me? My father, my father, why? You get, you get what I'm saying? We get very dramatic with that kind of thing. But the reality is, is that we just need to be grounded in our hearts. And when you've decided, no matter what comes knocking on the door, God is your God. And He is able to protect you and keep you. And He's going to lead you into the green pastures. And He's going to restore your soul. And He's going to bring you by the still waters and refresh you. When you've decided that, it doesn't matter what comes knocking on the door. Because as you decide, joy responds. 
Does that make sense? Amen. Okay. I don't even think I finished that scripture, but where were we here? So, uh, the Lord is my strength and my shield. I trust in him with all my heart. Not with half of my heart. Not, on, not with my Sunday heart. With my seven-day-a-week heart. He helps me and my heart is filled with joy. See, God comes, joy comes. Whenever joy comes in the room, you know, have you ever felt like a Stephen King level of afraid with God? No. No, you haven't. You haven't felt that like, some of you were like, yeah, and then immediately went, no, no, I saw some of you. You were like, you know, you were like getting ahead of the point. And you're like, yeah, yeah. No, no, not like this. <laughs> because when God comes, he has, his presence has a certain characteristic atmosphere that is comforting and safe. And he is loving. And you just feel like, oh, I'm protected with you. And when you feel protected, your heart fills with joy. It's like you put one of my little boys in a dark room and make scary noises, they're going to freak out. But if they're with daddy, Benjamin's going to be flipping off those noises. <laughs> little four-year-old. You can't get it. You get what I'm saying? Because there's a confidence in him that causes him to have a little bit of boisterousness. Hello. Let that get you. Just pull on God's goodness so much that you stop being moved by what used to move you. And you start being stable and joy starts filling you up. And actually you start doing the stuff you could never do before. Joy causes you to do jobs that you turned your nose up to previously. Little acts of service that you would have never ever dreamed. Oh, that's not my gifting. Yeah, now I can do it with joy. Because I got so much love and joy from the Father that I've got leftovers and I'd like to hand them out. Okay, I need to close up. Does this help someone today? Okay. Thank you, God. So with that... God, I pray that you would introduce yourself to us, the spirit of joy, on a whole nother level. A whole nother level, God, that we would yield ourselves to you, that you would teach us, God, how to say no to our feelings more and yes to your spirit more. That you would baptize us, that as we yield to you, that the safety and protection of who you are would just cause us to be a lot more happy than we've been. That we'd stop feeding those little misery demons. Those little Stephen King misery demons. Jesus' name. We wouldn't need any spiritual Prozacs. You'd just baptize us with your goodness and your love and your mercy and your joy would take us over. Woo! Amen. Amen. Thank you. Okay, if you need some miracles right now, come to the front because we're going to get a miracle right now. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. If you need healing in your body, healing in your heart, if you, can I say this? If you've struggled with heavy depression, if you've struggled with heavy anxiety, if you've struggled with all that stuff that's taken away your confidence before God, I want you to come stand at the front right now. This is a good thing. Come on. The enemy's been defeated. What is that? Devil used a liar. He is. The more you allow the goodness of God to overwhelm you, the more confident you become, the more grounded and secure you become. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Thank you, God. Just lift up your hands. I want you to say this with me. God, I am worthy of a miracle right now. 
It's your pleasure. It's your delight to do miracles in my life. To heal me. To answer my needs. To break through things in my heart. To even break through atmospheres around me. To break through atmospheres and belief systems in my mind. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, miracles right now. Jesus' name. Miracles. Miracles right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, God.